nice happened to me this week, and something very bad happened to another cartoonist this week. Oh, it wasn't very bad, but I mean, it wasn't that bad at all, but I think it's interesting to talk about both of them. One, because I get to aggrandize myself. I get, look at the nice thing that happened to me. But then, you know, I can reflect uh, at this nice thing that happened to me because at the beginning of the year, sort of the opposite thing happened, uh, which I will then use to segue to talk about the, the, the thing that happened to another cartoonist, another cartoon person uh, this, this week on Twitter. Like anyone can. I'm rehashing drama. That's right. This is going to be a drama <laughs> episode. We're going to get it. Not really. But it, the, 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 as you may have already guessed, the, the bad thing that I'm going to discuss is Joe Cat. It's not really bad. It's just sort of silly and embarrassing for, you know, or a representative of <laughs> just why, you know, why, 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 you know, why did this have to happen? <laughs> There's no reason any of this had to happen. And even me rehashing this subject, you know, after it's long dead, uh, people don't want to hear about it anymore. People are fucking tired of fucking Joe Cat discourse. But I'm going to talk about it, um, not, you know, with any view to condemn or, you know, really discuss it, but just in terms of my views of, like, um, authorship. And I, I talk a lot about authorship. Uh, there was an episode I previously did uh, that Rory, Rory, good old Rory Blank guest starred on called Birth of the Author, where I was talking to him about him doing the uh, the drawing that got a lot of traction for popularizing the phrase Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer and how that drawing just sort of got away from him and he lost authorship of it. And you know, the, the worst part of it being, of course, when, you know, the weird T-shirt bots start putting it on a T-shirt without your permission. You know, that's that's something that he was experiencing that's obviously sort of a, a, a horrible effect of that. Um, but, uh, you know, at some point you just sort of, he had, it, it became part of the wind, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, eventually there's a weird thing that happens where it's almost not yours anymore. I, I don't, I can't, I can't remember. I don't think Rory says that particularly in the episode. Go back and listen to it. He's always great. I love him so much. Um, but, um, I would, you know, I was always wondering as if I keep doing this, will something like that ever happen to me? Will I get like a, this is fine dog, like a Casey Green, this is fine dog moment. And I don't know if it, it, it if that happened to that extent, but, uh, something that I did became very, uh, repeated. It became a meme. People kept redrawing it. Uh, it's of course the... I think we're going to have to kill this guy, Steven meme. The one in which, uh, the, that's derived from the comic in which Steven Universe meets Hitler. And then at first, you know, it's the joke. Oh, Steven Universe would forgive Hitler. And he says, what if you could change your mind, Hitler? Hitler, of course, being Hitler isn't, you know, he won't listen to reason. So Garnet has to remind Steven that you have to murder fascists. And then the panel that everyone enjoys, which I enjoyed at the time. I liked making I thought it was... I thought it was funny, and it's very uh, flattering. It's very affirming to think that other people think this gag is funny, where, 
you know, you just have to, someone reminds someone, you know, doesn't always work out, kid, you know, where you can, can't always, sometimes, you know, you're going to have to kill this guy, Steve. <laughs> and sort of the, the sadness, the resignation you feel at experiencing the harsh truths of the world, you know, and, and this has, um, but I think something about that panel has resonated because it it's um, evokes a character dynamic where a more experienced character is sort of, uh, you know, uh, sadly telling the more naive character uh, about the the horrors of the world or just you know sort of uh, comforting through this realization that the world is not as. Uh, <laughs> You know, nothing, you, you can't solve everything through through reason alone or through, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but um, so someone, I forget their name, I should, I should look who this person is because I want to thank them. They made my life significantly better because it was nice that everyone was, uh, uh, it, it was nice that everyone was talking about uh, <laughs> this, this weird joke that I made. Um. With, you know, and they weren't talking about me, Dre. I think that's what was nice about it and why I wanted to talk about the feeling that, like, the joke of, I think we're going to have to kill this guy, Stephen, damn. The the fact that, like, some people knew that I made it and people absolutely credited me in the thread. They went out of their way and I thanked them. And it, But it, you know, it doesn't matter because, you know, the thing that I did from the beginning I don't sign my work. I leave it sort of vague as if as if it has, you know, come out of the ether and come out of nowhere. It's sort of intended to be seen as sort of authorless. That was all part of my dastardly plan to begin with because um and even just the fact that it's a, a crude drawing means that you can project your yourself onto it. So there there was I I didn't calculate it, and it's definitely not for that comic. I didn't expect that one to to be the one, but there is like um some element of like I I I, I sort of I I like that where the thing that you made, even though you made it, it sort of it becomes just part of the ether. It it doesn't you know it, I've lost control over it. There's nothing that I can do. I'm the originator of it, but really, it's become so much more in the hands of everyone else that um, it barely matters that I'm the one that created it to begin with. It's it's like a a, a joke that has gone back to the air, um, and it's very flattering in a way to serve as the conduit for that joke because then you know. A funny thing happens uh, where people are like, uh, they they know the meme, but they're like, where the fuck does the meme come from? And then they discover it. It's like, oh, this guy who I know from this other thing that's sort of tangentially weird. And they make that journey of discovery. And then it's then they discover my backlog of thousands of comics. And they're like, wow, there's a fucking lot of these. And that's that's the gag. You know, that's the whole plan. That was the plan. It's working. It worked somehow with this goddamn Steven Universe comic. I guess I have, you know, um, also the thing where, like, oh, t-shirt bots might steal it. it that's less, you know, I wasn't going to put that on a t-shirt anyway because they're, they're not my characters. They're, it's a, like a parody comic. I wouldn't try and make, like, I, I, don't, I don't think, 
I don't know what the legal rules are that to like print other people's characters on a t-shirt. I'm not going to even get a test on. I'm not going to test that. But um, yeah, I wouldn't have tried to capitalize on that that piece of art anyway. So uh, have at it, t-shirt bots. I dare you. You you get sued by Comedy Central for using my work. Not Comedy Central. Cartoon Network. Steve's on Cartoon? Yeah, Cartoon Network. Um, so... Uh, yeah, the joke got so the the thread by this person. Uh, who is this person? Uh, I'm looking it up right now. I'm I don't know. It's it's evolved beyond. I I just yeah. So uh, Gateway Twenty One, G Four T Way Thirty One, Lula. Thank you, Lula. I really appreciate you starting the thread that got the the ball rolling on this trend of drawing your two comfort characters, one more experienced and one more naive in the place of the... I mean, there have been all sorts of variations of this. Um, there's, there's one with, like, Michael Corleone and Bluey, I saw, which was very, very funny. I don't like that one. I don't know why. Um, all these people have uh, comfort characters as well. Uh, that that they imagine together, and they imagine having this relationship of sudden cognizance of a, a sudden life, le- a harsh life lesson is learned between these two. I, it 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 struck a chord in people. I don't know what it is, uh, and it's nice to have that happen. And it's nice for it to just have reached total escape velocity, where it's just not mine. <laughs> it's 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 over, baby. I'm this this joke. It's beyond me now, you know? Um, and re- if I'm being honest, that's really something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to create something that becomes so ubiquitous that the fact I created it just doesn't matter anymore. Um, that That is sort of like, I know that's sort of a weird life goal to have, but that is... Um, I don't know. It does. It it does feel like something that I set out to do, and weirdly and circuitously, it it happened. Um, and uh, I was very happy with that one because yeah, I I like that joke a lot. <laughs> so I'm glad other people liked it too. And um, I talk about this sense of losing authorship, um, because I've noticed there's been a very strong trend in the idea of retaining authorship or the idea of, you know, authorship being of uh, primary importance, something that I, especially like in recent work by, uh, you know, the big, the old big YouTubers. Uh, I even did, even last year, um, uh, I did a whole podcast on that that Kevin Perjurer video about trying to find the Disney Channel theme song thing because I th- found it fascinating because I I found there were there was sort of like a I I liked the video I you can listen to that podcast my main thing was I like the video and I think it's a good documentary and all that but there is sort of this undercurrent of like uh, there's one there's one portion of it where they're talking about like oh this is all calculated they just like straight up look into the camera and say oh no this was all for selling fucking lunch boxes to kids and like the Kevin Perjurer himself says oh that's a little sinister and they laugh it off and then they just move on with this whole thing I was like wait a second <laughs> you know you you talk about this whole you know thing about authorship but you uncovered 
you know, this sinister undercurrent to it, which is like, I don't know, maybe the authorship is tainted by the sinister undercurrent. Maybe, (laughs) maybe it is, you know. um, And I think alongside that were um, uh, H. Bomber guy videos, great videos about uh, the Roblox oof. And recently, uh, new ones um, about plagiarism, about the James Somerton plagiarism, and Philosophy Tube released a video about how she got plagiarized as well. And so there have been these, you know, completely valid and absolutely, you know, very necessary. And I think all of these examples I've named are like very, uh, you know, they're, they're good pieces of work. You know, I'm not, I'm not denigrating it. But as a result, there's been this. Um, you know, and and if I were to theorize, you know, why there is so much um, uh, talk, or why uh, there uh, the theme of wanting to retain authorship over your work comes up and up and again, of course, is because so much of your shit just gets stolen nowadays. It's just expected if you're a creative person that you sort of just work for free and you expect your stuff to get stolen. That's inherent to my even my style, the fact that I don't sign stuff and the fact that I've subconsciously memified it to begin with in in this, you know, it, 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 when you think about and sometimes when I think about it, it wasn't it was halfway a conscious thing, but um now that I think about doing it consciously, maybe it's, it sounds sounds craven almost, you know, maybe I've I've devoted myself to that ethos as some sort of authorless thing, but rather it's just another way for uh, people to discover the the great ego void that is me. You know, it's all it's all back to me in the end. It is pretending that I I am humble by uh, submitting authorship to the wind, but really, uh, uh, no, I am in fact trying to just do a more circuitous method of adulating my ego. It could be that. I have no idea. Uh, but it, it sort of felt right for me. It's sort of the idea of, like, um, yeah, beca- becoming the wind. You always want to become the wind, right? Maybe this is uh, not a desire that other people have. But um, in my case, um, I like the idea of uh, some idea that I have or some physical part of me being expressed and then materializing and drifting and turning into paper and affecting a thousand little people who just don't even know where it comes from. That's that's a thrilling concept to me, frankly. And, um, yeah, so, so, which is the opposite of, like, wanting to retain authorship. The thing that has given me the most joy, you know, counter to these examples of people, obviously like being plagiarized is terrible. Um, and you know, it's, it's fucked up. And you know, these examples of losing authorship are really negative, but it's weird. The example that I've had most recently of losing authorship is really positive. It's, it's very much, uh, uh, this experience where I, I feel like uh, an idea that I've had has has actually I, I've I've affected the world around me, albeit in a really stupid way. <laughs> it's like a really dumb joke, but it feels like people got joy out of it and it just kept spontaneously generating more joy 
as people did it and this sort of kinetic energy thing you know absent my presence you know it was this uh, thing that kept going without me being there and I, I don't know that's that's really nice the fact that you did something that uh, without your maintenance managed to affect a lot of people positively in you know a very small way but that's that's good and that wouldn't that feeling could not have been accomplished if I had, you know, been constantly trying to assert authorship over it. Or if uh, it'd be really funny if I was like mad about it and be like, um, this is my work and you can't copy it. <laughs> you know, and I thought I'm like, who would have that response to something like that? But, um, so, and I guess it's different because, I mean, one, the work, the original work is a parody as well, so I, I already feel like I didn't, you know, retain re- much of my own. And it's a parody based off of, like, a very well-worn joke about Steven Universe as well. Um, And I guess uh, the other part is, like, nobody's trying to make money off of, off of that work as well. At least not yet. I'm sure... I, I I wonder if it will get to the point of popularity where where bots will start taking advantage of it. Let's hope. That's how that's how I I know I'll have made it. If I start seeing the, I think we're gonna have to kill this guy, Stephen T-shirts, in public. Um, I don't know, Rebecca Sugar. If you want to make, I I think we're gonna kill this guy, Stephen T-shirts. You have my blessing. You can, you, I can, you. I will give that design to you for free. You can have it. <laughs> if you can convince Cartoon Network merchandise <laughs> to make, I think we're going to kill this guy. I think we're going to have to kill this guy, Steven T-shirts. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, and it's obviously a much, a much more different feeling because nobody's trying to, like, profit off of your hard work. There's, um, in fact, uh, your, your hard work has paid sort of spiritual dividends in a lot of uh in a, in a lot of ways i'm i'm aggrandizing it to more than it is but it really i i gotta be honest with you folks it really felt fucking good it's you know it really felt fucking validating that oh this joke i wrote everyone liked it and it made people happy and that's, that's sort of why you're in it right um and i hope to be able to do more of those uh, I hope uh, maybe maybe not exclusively live my life trying to generate memes because that that way that way lies madness. But um, you know, trying there is something wonderful about creating something that uh, has some sort of universal affection. That is uh, why I always find the stories of uh, people like Notch, Marcus Notch, person. Or J.K. Rowling, so fascinating. You, you know, people who manage to uh, create something that is absolutely universally beloved. It belongs to the air. You know, I, I'm not saying that I did. You know, I'm not saying I did something to the level of of uh, you know the recognition of those. I'm I I I'm aggrandizing myself too much. But who, who, it, it was a it was a thing that it felt like that in a way where I've I've created something that just got away from me to a very large extent, um, and um, I think the the interesting thing about these people is that um, in a way, just through their shitty opinions, through their terrible political views, and uh, you know through their need to to sort of um, 
bandy them about in a public space, they end up reasserting authorship on these things. They end up taking it away from the air. I mean, not Minecraft. You know, Notch couldn't say enough shitty stuff to take Minecraft, you know, to make Minecraft, you know, uncool or problematic. That thing, you know, that really got away from him. That really became the air. You know, <laughs> there's nothing that he can do. It's like that that became famous on like a Michael Jackson level. You know, there's no, nothing he can do that will get rid of the fact that that's just in the that's just part of life, you know. Michael Jackson's music, Minecraft, nothing the creators of that can do to really get yank that back from the air. I mean, that's what's even more amazing about J.K. Rowling is that she was able to yank her creation back from the air and back into her hands. Now we permanently associate Harry Potter not as this sort of generic epochal work of monomyth that it was before she started saying turf stuff, but rather this sort of bland, uh, uh, negative, politically backwards tome written by a jerk. You know, she she managed to wrest away the the eternity of her work by just having to reassert authorship in the worst way imaginable. So, yeah, there is a bad way to assert authorship as well, uh, which I think is interesting. That's sort of... Or there's a way that you can sort of regress your work by asserting the wrong kind of authorship, which I think is interesting. Um, and I don't know if it fully applies to the whole goddamn Joe Cat situation. <laughs> Why am I talking about this? No one should hear about this. No one cares about it. But I, I sort of, I, I think it's interesting because um, something similar happened to me. I guess I'll, I'll start with the similar thing that happened to me. People who've been longtime listeners, longtime House of Decline followers know at the beginning of this year, um, I did a cartoon with my buddy Steve, uh, and uh, I think we're going to have to kill this guy, Steve, we said, and we made a cartoon about a sad little character called, uh, he's not called anything, he's just generic, and it's You Are Not Special. And it just, you know, you're saying this to the sad little guy, you are not special, you're not good at anything, life is meaningful, it's filled with meaning, there are people who are good at stuff, but you're not, and that's it. You know, it's not that you're going to die. <laughs> you know, and it's, uh, the uh, people hated it, it got like this incredible amount of negative response. This, which is why, you know, also partially why I was so chuffed about the positive response to this uh, Steven Universe to this, I think we're going to have to kill this guy, Stephen Thing, uh, right at the end of the year, because right at the beginning of the year, I got 20,000 quote tweets of people calling me a bastard. <laughs> that was sort of aggravating. Um, and it, yeah, it, it was interesting. Um, Steve handled it much better than me because he thought it was he thought it was funny <laughs> um, in a way. I was freaking out because um I still do, and before that, I had sort of staked my reputation or my online persona or whatever the hell I'm doing right now that's a mishmash between sort of my real personality and some sort of projected entertainment persona. But um, 
you know, I, that, that had sort of gravitated because I'm a nice guy. I say nice. I'm a bit wholesome. I'm a bit edgy, but I'm a bit wholesome too, which sounds like the fucking gayest thing ever. You know, you people are right to be annoyed by me. <laughs> if that's the thing that I'm projecting, but that's the bed and I, that's the bed I made. And, uh, I was going for, for it. And, um, it also cultivated an audience of people, you know, that would be cultivated, that, that, that would be um, <laughs> uh, amenable to that idea of, it's a little, it's a little edgy, but it's a little wholesome. <laughs> that super gay idea. So a lot of Tumblr refugees. <laughs> I love you, Tumblr ref- refugees. We're in this together. We have many of the same sensibilities. Um, and, uh... So I I also I also saw a lot of these people very disappointed with that you are not special comic, um, and it's also the reason why like I I apologized after there was that extreme negative response to it because some degree I cultivated, uh, consciously cultivated the audience that had um had a negative response to it. So I did feel you know some sort of well you know. I'm, this part of my audience, you know, I don't, I don't hate you. You know, there's, I get why you didn't like it. I'm sorry, you know, and there's no, there's no use in like apologizing, apologizing to the crowd. You know, some people, it will be never enough for some people, but it wasn't really, I sort of wanted to do it because I felt vaguely responsible in a way. Um, Not that I think it was that, I mean, it was also easy to do because I just didn't think what I did was that hard. (laughs) The the joke wasn't, so I, I should clarify, um, there were some people that didn't like the joke because it was corny. They just thought it was, you know, like, uh, go back to Reddit, man. This is like Reddit stuff. And it's like, okay, you know, that's fair. Uh, but then there was like a whole other, like, and the way more people too, like saying that, oh, this is nihilism. Like there was this whole like debate about, uh, like people, people were talking about nihilism. They were, they were like, <laughs> really angry at me for like being so negative or like um they were posting that the smiling friends frowning friends episode a lot at me because they beat up a bunch of like uh uh, uh negative you know annoyingly negative people in that smiling friends episode they talk about how annoyingly negative people are are they suck and so people were posting that at me and it's okay, uh, but they were also accompanying with it like I, you are you are doing moral damage to the world, and it's like oh, that's a little unfair, <laughs> you know. But I don't know why it so deeply affected people in that way. I I like to think I like to think it's because they related to the character. I made the character too cute, and they related to it, and they saw themselves in it, which is why. Um, and I do think it's a common affliction of people thinking that they're deeply unspecial and that sort of drives a lot of psychosis so i think i i also may have, you know this it, i mean by evidence of the 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 critical drubbing it received by all by a lot of young people i can see this is something that seems to be a sensitive topic of the idea of dealing with your uh lack of maybe uniqueness or idiosyncrasy especially in an age like the internet when you are really forced you know outright to deal with your lack of idiosyncrasy um you can think of any joke you can think of a pun um and you write it into twitter oh i wonder if someone's especially a pun because everyone's thought of every pun before 
you think of a pun as like this is the funny like today i i did a thing of rothko and i thought haha porco rothko <laughs> like like the miyazaki film but also the artist porco rothko i bet no one's thought of that before i'm so clever i type in porco rothko and there's like a couple of posts where somebody has written porco rothko and I'm like great great i'm not <laughs> i'm not original no no one is original um I mean, that's also, like, a really fucked up thing about, like, trying to assert authorship on Twitter, because anything that you think about, any, like, a lot of jokes you think of, like, you have this instant repository of people who are just coming up with fucking puns and little jokes for free. <laughs> and, uh... You you can go mad trying to like think you think of a joke and then you you try and Google it to see if somebody has done it before, and then it's like well I guess I'm in the clear, uh, but I don't know, it's fucking uh yeah it, I I think uh that's something that I worry about too is that like I do a joke that's already been done before and then you know I somebody accuses me of plagiarism or something like that. I've done jokes that were definitely because that's the thing. I did like fourteen hundred fucking comics in two years. I did too many, and um, I was bound to like you know when you're thinking of these tiny little gag things. I would repeat stuff before. I did one where uh, it was a fella uh, who uh, he had a barrel on. He he was a, he was the classic uh, cartoon gag of he's. He's impoverished, so he's wearing a barrel. And then he has a lottery ticket, and he wins the lottery. And um, he he was uh, uh, he says, "Oh my God, I can finally afford to get out of this barrel, uh, this this poverty barrel." And then in the next panel, you see him wearing a gold barrel. And the, you know, the he he liked wearing barrels. You know, it was just the relative quality of the barrel that was holding him back. All he needed was money. And then, uh, good friend Chris Wilson, good friend of the show, <laughs> and, uh, I love uh, uh, from Cyanide and Happiness. Turns out there had been a uh, Cyanide and Happiness joke where a guy's he's living in a box and he wins the lottery and then he gets a gold box and it's ah fuck, fuck. And he posted it under my thing. I was like ah fisha. And I don't know. I really, I, I, I feel like in this heightened, this heightened like era of people sensitive about plagiarism, I fear uh, that people will take those. I mean, that's why I've done like on the Patreon now. I'm just doing like long form stuff, and why I'm doing other long form stuff because I caught myself doing that. I caught myself plagiarizing myself, where <laughs> like doing jokes that I had already done before. And I had mentioned this on last podcast on the Burnout podcast. But yeah, there was a joke of like Hot Ones interrogation room. And then I realized months before I had done Nardwar interrogation room, and it was the exact same joke. I had I had copied myself, you know. So at at some point, I you know I did too much, and uh, you need to slow down. I think that's also the lesson. If you feel pressured to overproduce, that's like not that's not good. You need to take your time with stuff. Uh, so, you know, you can come up with more unique or specific jokes. Sometimes you come up with a joke and you know that somebody has not done it before. You absolutely are certain 
that this is what only only I with the the joke that I've come up with that I I was just totally absolutely certain. Well, no one has done this joke before. Um, is uh, a person uh, he takes their I I had done actually that's not true. I had done a, a version of this joke, a plagiarized version of I plagiarized myself again, but I reiterated the joke and did it slightly better. Where no one had done this version of it before. I'd done a version where a guy, he his pubes are so long that he does a comb over with the pubes. You know, he's he's got long hair, but then he takes off his hoodie and it's his pubes. Uh, but then I did one where a guy grows his pubes so long that he tucks it beneath his taint and then puts it into a long ponytail uh, coming out of his ass and then looks at it proudly and says, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Ariana Grande. And that was when I drew it. I was like, well, no one's ever done this before. This is this is new. <laughs> I have created something new here <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not saying that's a good joke. I'm just saying sometimes you need to spend the time to come up with things that you have more certainty are original and more endemic to your specific brain. And when you overproduce, I think you you tend to rely on stuff that is maybe more generic. Um, not saying not saying the cyanide and happiness joke was generic, but I, I'm just saying it's um uh or I I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Sometimes you're just in gag comics, especially you're just gonna do jokes that have been done before, which is what I was starting to find crushing about it. Um, and what I was, you know, fearful about, uh, <laughs> I started getting like, uh, uh, when all that plagiarism stuff was going, are people gonna, people gonna dig up receipts? Have I done? Have I done it? Conscious? Am I? Am I a plagiarist? Am I? <laughs> I started worrying about that shit. Um. I I don't think I I don't think I've done plagiarism, but as far as I know, there's some sort of there's someone compiling receipts on me right now. Um, but um, yeah, in terms of plagiarism, sort of informing and why I think there's this sort of heightened mood around plagiarism in authorship. Um, it informed the the drama of the week, the old drama of the week on Twitter, um, where uh, an account. At Zero Suit Camus, wonderful account. Uh, uh, I, I, I love her podcasts. Uh, the Movie Mindset, Seeking Derangements, Hessa, very funny. Uh, uh, she, she posted a video by a, a guy named Joe Cat, who I'd never heard of up to that point, and I had never seen this video before, and she made a very standard Twitter joke, which was, I made this. You know, the joke being, of course, you know, the video, I don't, I don't think the video is very good, so it's ridiculous for me to take credit for this, <laughs> right? You know, I made this, but it would be embarrassing if I had made this. The video is this, this, uh, I, I, from what I gather, he's some sort of Twitch streamer slash animator, and he animates funny moments from his Twitch stream and uh, th this one involved him saying, oh, I, well, I don't just like strong girls, even though I said, make jokes about that all the time. Uh, instead, I like, and then it launches into a parody of Lizzo's boys, but instead it's girls, and then he's talking about all the, 
I like I like smart girls and and tiny girls and big girls and abs girls and fat girls, you know. Uh, and but and the people as he's saying these various body types of women, um, various pop culture women characters representative of these body types are flashing in the background, and he's being playfully sexual. <laughs> He's being he's being playfully sexual for his audience of people that uh, are also amenable to eroticizing cartoons. Um, you know, I look, I can't say boo about eroticizing cartoons. You know, I've <laughs> you know <laughs> that's my whole that's my whole deal. So it's like you know, I'm not judging the guy on that, but I feel like, especially you know. Uh, as someone who's into that world, who's got one foot into the sort of, like, anime, like, I think cartoons are hot. You know, you have to have, you have to have a little self-awareness. You have to understand why people, like, think it's weird. You know, you know, I'm not judging you for it. I think it's fine. You know, I've done, I'm no better. But you, you need a little, you need to get outside of yourself sometimes and understand. Why why people might think this is a little questionable. Um, not saying these people are oversensitive and wanting to defend, you know, the, the love of the the cartoon love so much. But it's just, you know, you got to maybe have a little sense of humor, a little more sense of humor about, like, your fetishization of cartoons. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe it is goofy and worthy of mockery. <laughs> Have you, have you ever considered that? <laughs> but that wasn't even the that wasn't even the problem, you know. I guess people were overly mean to. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't get. I. I, I this isn't even the timeline. So, uh, and I can't say it is for certain. But I think because of this heightened air around plagiarism, because of these two very popular and successful YouTube videos about uh, plagiarism, where uh the the creators delineate this horrible thing that happens uh and they you know uh, you know they did a good job of it but now like everyone suddenly becomes plagiarism detective you know <laughs> everyone is now in the mindset of plagiarism detective so they saw the tweet by at zero suit camo and uh uh they 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 thought she was being serious <laughs> <laughs> they thought she was she was taking genuinely taking credit for it, which is funny because you know the 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 watermark of the original creator joke at is in is in the video itself. But you know, you know they couldn't. Some people it can't parse. Some people can't parse stuff. Um, but you know people were commenting on it. They were like getting getting mad at her a little, and then. Joe Cat himself, I can maybe confused. I don't know if it was. Some people have accused him of clout sharking. I don't know. Whatever. I don't. I don't have no. God, why am I commenting on this? Why am I doing a drama podcast? Because it's interesting to me. Damn it! I'm. I'm a craven asshole. I. I rant against craven assholes, but I'm one of you. You know, I'm. I'm a fucking craven asshole as well. This drama hat. Can you believe the drama that happened? Um. <laughs> But yeah, so so they misinterpret this like mass misinterpretation of a joke 
people thinking they're doing the right thing by taking down another one of these goddamn internet plagiarists. Um, and Joe Cat, the creator, commented on it, saying, you know, I made this, don't take credit for it. But then it suddenly became, they realized, oh, they're making fun of us. And sort of it, it erupted into this factional war between the people making fun of the the anime-like people and, uh, well, no, I guess they're not the anime, but, you know, the... <laughs> The Joe, you know, the the joke at people, <laughs> the, the people took massive factions. Uh, <laughs> this war, no, it was nothing like that. But people got very mad at each other, and it feels like it escalated to the point where this joke at fella said that he was he was quitting creating stuff forever because I suppose. This is the third time this video has has come up as a source of mockery on Twitter. Um, and uh, he said he got a suspicious package mailed to his house. But then it turns out that, you know, that actually happened from one of the other times that the video got. So it was all sort of like a weird, became a weird mess. It just, uh, all you need to know about it is that this very weird, tiny misunderstanding got out of hand and you know people were talking about you bullied a nice guy off of the internet these yeah people got very stressed out over this this nothing thing and but i felt like i felt like i wanted to give advice to joke at i felt like man this would have been the perfect time to not assert authorship sometimes this is the time to not assert authorship over something. You have to know when. You have to know when as a creator in the internet age. You know, you have to know when is the... Uh, uh, sometimes you need to stand your ground and say, I made this. Sometimes, you know, the, the fact that it's just being discussed, uh, that, that, old, that old phrase, you know, no, no press is bad press. In, your, in, in Joe Cat's case, I think that was true. All it proved to me is that, man, th this cartoon cat guy, he's got shooters. People are, are fucking ride or die for this joke at motherfucker. It's like, what do, what do I need to do to inspire such loyalty in my fandom that they're willing to, like, uh, you know, <laughs> go, go ape shit uh, on people for a joke that they didn't understand? <laughs> or maybe they did understand it, but they didn't like the... Um, this person was being derisive. They didn't like that. Uh, uh, whatever. I, it's so fucking stupid. I, I think that's why I'm fixated on it. Because it's just like, uh, uh, in my head, it's like Hall of the Mountain King is is playing in the background, right? And it just keeps escalating and escalating uh, where you, you get the flavor and it all ends with this guy doing this big, this big post about quitting. It's not. I, I, and I read the thing because he's like, he's freaked out, and in a way, I related to it, because you know, I understand what it's like to get twenty thousand quote tweets of hate most intimately. You know, I don't know. I only got a couple death threats out of it, and you know, they're the classic KYS or you know, you should fuck, you fucking ass. You know, but I didn't take them seriously because. I can see all the people sending me the death threats were very young people, and it's like, oh, that's what I did when I was, like, 18, you know, said it was 17, or, oh, they're just following in my tradition, you know, no harm here. <laughs> so I wasn't, 
I wasn't that freaked out by that, but I, I don't know if people were more serious to this joke at fella. Uh, <laughs> either way, it's like, man, man I, I get like feeling that upset and like flailing in your response. Cause like when, when that shit happened and when people got mad at my thing, um, yeah, I was like flailing in responses and like coming up with a bunch of stupid like bullshit excuses. Um, you didn't get the you know what? I should have stood my ground. The real answer is you gotta stood your ground and be like, I like this. This is cool. This is cool to me. And, you know that that's the real answer to how to deal with someone is just you gotta you gotta double down on your own thing. You can't. You can, you can never apologize. You can't be mealy mouthed about it. You must you must embrace your identity strongly and confidently. But evidently this guy was super distressed about it as i was because i am i'm not that person i'm not that particularly confident person i'm i'm sort of i think the reason uh i i want to say that i only do work for me but really if i'm being honest i love having an audience and bouncing it off my audience and when i have displeased my audience i'm like oh no oh no i'm sad <laughs> the people have they have chosen they have disliked me and i know that that that's psychotic, but um, that is the curse. That is the curse that I live with. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I, I, I want to give a pamphlet. You know, I wanted to make a pamphlet with my you are not special guy and say, so so people hated your cartoon <laughs> and give it to this joke at fella because he, he was making some mistakes that I made that I, you know, I wish that I hadn't done. When I had something that was receiving a lot of negative attention, you just got to be silent and be like humble about it and be like, well, I guess people didn't like that one. Um, they may have even had a right to not like that one. And I, I, I read in his response of like, well, I shared it to my audience and they loved it and then it escaped my audience. And but here's the thing about like the you are, you know, here's the thing about when you receive hate or. Sometimes, you know, I, I I don't necessarily agree with a lot of the criticism of the You Are Not Special. I liked You Are Not Special. I thought it was, you know, funny enough to illustrate, and I did, and I, I liked it, and I still like it. I stand by it, uh, even though I guess I apologized for it. But that was, you know, that's what happens. I was flailing. You know, I just, I don't know. I've never received this. I'm a, I've never had this many people call me shitty before. What do I do? I don't know what to do. <laughs> And now that I look back on it, nothing happened. It's just a bunch of, you know, obviously this it's silly. It's stupid. It was just a bunch of, it was like a topic for a week for people to get their takes in on. And then as long as you keep producing and keep doing quality work, people will forget about it. But it that sort of requires you to like double down on your sense of confidence after you've just had a huge shot to it. So it's, so it can be difficult to do sometimes. Um, the joke at video, you know, I didn't, I don't like the video, <laughs> yeah, but it's not, it's not my thing. Like you said, there's like a huge audience that like loves that stuff and goes apeshit over that stuff. Why do you care what other people think when you have, you know, the like-minded, uh, you know, cartoon people to, to share your, uh, uh, your sort of PG fetishism with, you know, why, why do you care what like. These, these Twitter assholes are saying. And of course, I understand why. Because it's like, they're saying mean things about me. But I'm so nice. <laughs> How can they do <laughs> Which is, you know, 
I you know, and I don't know the extent of it. Maybe people were getting real raw with Joe Cat. Maybe were, like people were posted his IP addresses. He maybe got doxxed, or he he got doxxed from like a previous one or something like that. Who knows? There was like an article in PC Gamer about you know when bullying goes wrong, and they interviewed Joe Cat about internet bullying. And I don't know. Uh, we'll see if it happens to me again. We'll see if I'm able to withstand it again because apparently this has happened to this guy before, and I'm sure it it grates on you. But uh, I don't know if that experience. It didn't make me tougher. It just sort of made me afraid that I would say the wrong thing again. So I I sort of can understand that. But yeah, these. Uh, a lot of a lot of fans are really agitated or they're trying to give some sort of moral certitude to the actions of these avatars i mean that's you know that what's fucked up about this whole this whole goddamn creator economy is um and why i think people invest a lot of uh their faith in in uh these individuals who appear to have cut through the cut through the noise and carved out a precious niche for themselves in the all too uh, uh, rarefied air of uh media or information i you know it's it's like me it's like what i'm doing right now by engaging in this vaguely parasocial uh uh you know illusion of intimacy a monologuing podcast it's the idea that I have some sort of measure of confidence when really I don't. I just, you know, I, I, I've trained myself to speak without thinking. <laughs> That's really my major skill is speaking without thinking <laughs> more than anything else. Um, but um, yeah, but so if you just have that, if, if you somehow are someone like me, and you've managed to carve out a weird niche for you in the media industry, which everyone is trying to do. Every, you know, tons of people are enamored by the old media game, trying to get into it, trying to make podcasts or fucking content or whatever, you know, because it's enticing, right? You get to be your own boss, you know, you're doing creative work, you're expressing something, and people are responding to it. At the very best, you can have something happen like what happened to me this week, where s- people express this mass joy for a joke you made up with, a, a joke you made up, and it, it's you know that's it's, it can be intoxicating. So if you see someone else doing that, you think, well, this person seems to know what they're doing. You know, a Joe Cat got famous by just sort of having some sort of confident style and projecting something that other people were feeling but with like this very competent animation and uh you know it developed an audience that way and people thought well this person's obviously confident i should listen to what they say and you know it's the same for zero suit camus same for hessa she's very funny you know she's very she's got good taste in movies and shit people like what she has to say and people think that because she you know i some some sort of mixture of skill and luck thrust this person into uh this rarefied air in the media sphere and now people will then defend this person because they have a stake in enjoying this person because like when you when you interact with someone like me or any of these people in this sort of creator intimacy parasocial economy you know 
the reason why it's sort of enjoyable is because you think, well, well, I could do that. This could be me one day. And, you know, that was me with a lot of other podcasts as well. It's like I'm hanging out with this, but there's no reason why I couldn't do this. And it becomes sort of inspiring in a way because not to say that I'm inspirational. And if you're inspired by this podcast, you know, aim higher. (laughs) But I think that is sort of the thrill you get when you follow these individuals in in the so-called fucking creator economy. And that's why people will end up going so hard for them and creating these massive flame wars over them because they just have so much stake in believing this person is, um, you know, uh, can do no wrong or is worthy of protection or, you know, there's no humor that we can have about ourselves. Um, and, uh, you know, Lord knows I'll do it too. You know, I'll, I'll come in to defend my favorite creator, my cre- the, the creator, if somebody is being mean to them. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, I, I catch myself in that, you know, dumbass instinct as well. It's like, why do we, why do they need me to defend them? Why, what are we doing here? Why are we, why, why, why do we get obsessed with shit like this? I mean, I just gave my two cents. Why? Um, but I don't know. I, I think that was ultimately what I thought of Joe. Man, if, if people were just a little less sensitive about authorship or if people sort of, had the same experience with authorship as I had had just a couple of days earlier in that week where the loss of it was actually amusing. If he, if somehow the, I made this video had been interpreted as like, it, it belongs to the air now type thing where instead of, you know, seeing it as, you know, this very mild barb towards it, instead of interpreting it as necessarily hostile, interpreting it as like, it's funny, this has exceeded its original intention you know, uh, you know, maybe that was the way to see it instead. Maybe there is a type of authorlessness that is beautiful. Uh, I, I want to think just as a corollary to, you know, the terrible types of authorlessness that we've been bombarded with, um, uh, recently, um, yeah, so I guess that was making a contrarian case for the joy of authorlessness as it happened to me this week, uh, experientially this week. I, I think, over, of course, you know, uh, you should always, you know, call it fucking plagiarism. You should always, you know, be attentive to that. Um, and you should always, you know, I get, or I don't know, always, but, you know, who has time? <laughs> you know, who has time to, like, be analyzing all that shit? You know, I think that's why uh, James Somerton got away with it for so long is because just no one was paying attention until someone noticed it and then had enough, you know, a, a time and <laughs> in order to really do enough research on it. That's, that's what it takes. You need, you need to be the, one of the biggest YouTubers in the world in order to effectively, <laughs> he's not one of the biggest in the world. One of the biggest in his, in his cohort, I should say, but uh, who knows either way. Um, yeah, uh, I I think that uh, I had a nice time this week. That was basically the whole point of this podcast. I did something, something happened that made me feel good. Re- really good, in fact. And that so rarely happens. No, that's not true. I'm not that much of a sad sack. Good things happen to me a lot. But uh, this was... This was nice. I hope I hope if you do some creative work or you've pursued uh, some creative work, this can happen to you because it's a very good feeling. And I thank the people that 
drew all those funny drawings. Uh, really, really made, really made my year. Frankly, it was a very nice note to go out on. Uh, so, thank you everyone for listening, and take care. House of Decline is brought to you by Dat Ash, Kevin Ott, Doctor Spaceman Zero. Dr. Spichemin Zero? Might be Dr. Spichemin Zero. Connor Lane, Big Fan of Noise, Fiat Lux, Daniel Stern, Miles Forrester, Cher, Jessica Cohen, Height Concept, Liz Heckmayer, and Tor. Thank you for supporting the show. <laughs>